Is this mic on good? <laughs> Combo Nation, what up? Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Instagram, what's up? Follow me there on 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Twitter, what's up? Follow me there. Combo's Court, C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Mom, what's up? If you're tuned in out there. Hey, Mom. Combo Nation. <laughs> what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 274 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that. Subscribe button. Share this episode. Twitter, Facebook. Facebook. Why did I say it like that? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Share it everywhere. Tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court. Today's show, Mike Vorkanov, New York Knicks and NBA reporter for The Athletic, joins in to talk Knicks basketball with Yours truly a fantastic conversation with Mike. You can find Mike on Twitter at Mike Vorkanov. That's M-I-K-E-V-O-R-K-U-N-O-V. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't Mike Vorkanov of The Athletic. Welcome to Combo Score, man. How you feeling today? Uh, a little tired, a little tired, I won't lie. But okay, no sleep, me. no sleep? Uh, no, not much sleep, uh, even in the off-season. How many hours do you need? Because everybody's different. Uh, I'd say like five to seven. Usually. Oh, that's nothing, man. Five to seven is easy to get. I try and get eight, but it's, it's tough. But I was uh, going to say, it depends how much kids you have. How many kids <laughs> you have? I have one. Uh, I have two, so it's uh, the, the more you get, the fewer hours of sleep you get. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, Mike is a Knicks reporter. For the athletic, um, you know, my culture is something that has to usually be built over time. Um, do you feel the next built this rather quickly? And are you a total believer in it? Because, you know, next season, you do start out 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, it's a scary thing to think about, but that's what your record starts out as. Do you believe the Knicks totally changed their culture? You know, I think they went a long ways towards it. I think by the end of uh... – you know, by the end of 2019-20 season, even even the beginning of it, they were kind of uh, rudderless. You know, they had changed front offices so much. They had changed coaches so much. And then David Fisdale, what David Fisdale said didn't quite line up with um, what David Fisdale did and, like, the things they tried to implement. I, I think the biggest thing is bringing in Tom Thibodeau, and he's just such a demanding coach um, that you do have to adapt to his way of doing things. Now, I, I don't know, I would the culture feel different if they didn't win right away? I think that's a fair question. I think sometimes those two things go hand in hand, right? Um, right. So I'd like to see what happens next year just in terms of where the record and the on-court performance is because, um, you know, nobody was talking about culture, you know, 15 games or even 25 games in when they were like 11 and 14, right? It seems culture became a bigger talking point. Um, the more that they won, which is understandable. So I think I think there still needs to be another year kind of of this whole uh, regime to see where they're at. Yeah, it coincided with the, you know, a coaching change and a front office change. And when you see results like this, I mean, culture is the word that comes into mind, but it will be interesting to see if they could sustain this. Um, you know, because everybody had the criticism that this could be an outlier season. There was outlier shooting when it comes to Julius. Um, what were your thoughts on Julius' season? And then the playoffs, does that change your opinion at all on Julius? Or you feel like the Knicks and Julius were playing with house money? Uh, I, you know, I think my my whole thing with Randall uh, this year was, is the shooting for real, right? 
Um, and when you're talking about the postseason, you know, was that just like a five game blip basically? Cause he still took open shots. He took hard shots. He missed a lot of the shots he, he made during the regular season. He made, Is he made just, a lot of tough shots all season, right? Like he right, made right. tough shots. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, you know, when you're, uh, you know, when there's a high degree of difficulty to start with on those shots, you're wondering, okay, how long can it last? Um, and so like, okay, is this just a poorly timed five game sample? And he, you know, it's just, that's the anomaly. Um, or is that him reverting to the mean? And so I think that's a very important question with him going forward. Um, and the next, have, the next have a contract decision to make as well, um, is how for real is his shooting, right? You'd probably want to get another season of it, you know, especially since this was a 72 game season, not even 82. Um, not to mention all the weird factors of the first 60 games were without fans or something like that. And Mike, and Mike, honestly, when there was no fans, I'm not saying this was directly the reason, but he had a lot more poise. Um, he was making the right pass more often. And I think those fans might've sped him up a little bit because in the game of basketball, if you get sped up 1% or half a percent, it could totally change everything for you, you know? So I thought that was a factor with him, but I think he'll adjust. I mean, he had an overall great season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the fans did or didn't contribute to him. I know that like, I think the first game back with fans, if I remember right, like he dropped 44 on the Hawks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or the second, second game back. Yeah. Um, I think some, you know, I'm sure like some smart uh, quant heads will do some studies and shows the differences in players and especially the, the last bubble in this year, just in terms of how everyone shot and played uh, with and without fans. Um you know, I was like wondering like what will happen with Randall. It does seem like in the NBA, there's a history that once you reach that all-star threshold, um, you, you tend to stay around there, right? Like I'm not saying he'll be an all-star next year, but I think probably he'll play somewhere in, in that realm. Right. And I think a lot of that depends on the shooting. Um, like if, if he's going to be a 40% three point shooter from now on, he's probably going to be somewhere near an all-star. If the three point yeah. shooting drops down to like 36%, uh, then he's not going to be as effective. Yeah, it's the threat of the jump shot. It opens up everything for him. It opens up everything for his team. Yeah, yeah, and he was doing it off the dribble, too. So it wasn't yeah. just uh, catch and shoot. He was creating a lot for himself. Yeah, and I feel like I'm talking negatively right now. I mean, Julius did have a great season. Uh, Knicks fans got at me last year, too, because I always said that they should have drafted Tyrese. Uh, I talked about it a lot. Like, he was one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Probably him and Anthony Edwards were the guys I talked about the most. This year, it would be Bones Highland and Scotty Barnes. But, like, I always have a few guys I talk about most when it comes to NBA draft, and Tyrese was that guy. But Knicks fans kind of said I was picking on the Knicks because there was a lot of other teams that passed on Tyrese as well. Well, I mean, they should have drafted Tyrese Albert. I think it was – a lot of people were saying at the time that they should have gotten that way if they could have. Um, I think history has proven that true as well. Uh, you know, like, this team with Tyrese Albert and in the backcourt would solve, you know, one of their big problems, I think. Um, and the open top and quite uh, pick, you know, it was kind of questionable at the time. Like he really, I, 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 I like Obi. I liked Obi at the time. I just thought Tyrese would have been better for them, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, it always kind of worried me about his age. There's not a long history of guys being, he's 22 uh, when he got drafted being successful as coming into the league as lottery picks at 22. You always wonder like, okay, did they just dominate in college? Uh, the thought on him was that he was, that he was NBA ready. Right. Which was which didn't prove to be true, right? Right. But you know that's kind of looking in the past now. It, it'll be interesting what they do with their you know their picks now. They have 19, 21, 32. You could take them all. You could try to bundle them. Try to move up, move back. Like there's a bunch of ways that they can go with it. 
Um, so they, you know, they're, I think they were fortunate to get quickly at 25 and hit on that one. So that kind of made up for some of the mistakes that they made at eight. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting where they go with it, um, with the draft this year. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned it, what do you think would be in their best interest to go with, uh, bundling it up, trying to move off of it or drafting at 19 and 21, which they could get some really good prospects, uh, you know, Trey Mann, Sharif Cooper, even Bones Highland has played his way into that range. Uh, what draft picks do you like for them? Or do you think they should bundle it up? No, I, I think, um, you know, I, my general thought in the draft is take as many shots as possible. Uh, I, I think that you yeah. want to, uh, you, you know, it's, it's an actual lottery to me. And like, you just want to get as many lottery tickets as possible. Um, but I think where they're at, they'll probably try to use one of the picks to try to get a vet to help them next year. Right. You're like most rookies, like how many rookies are actually playable on playoff level teams every year. It's a handful. Um, and so like, if they're trying to be competitive again next year, which they will be, you can't bank on the number 19 and 21 picks being someone you can throw in your rotation and play 20 minutes tonight. Right. I think Emmanuel quickly was a bit of an anomaly that way. Uh, so I, I think they'll probably keep one and try to bundle the other two either for a bet or, you know, try to move up for all of them if they want to take a big shot at someone. But, um, I don't know yet what the appetite is for the teams ahead of them in the draft to try to move down. It, it seems like, you know, top six, seven, maybe is kind of a threshold there. And um, after that, we'll see. It seems like if, after you get past like the top six picks, uh, it's a little bit flatter in terms of who the prospects are and, and how teams view them. Um, outside the draft, offseason roster moves that you'd like to see them make. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the Dame Lillard thing is realistic. Obviously, that'd be great <laughs> to have, you know, for Knicks fans to have Dame in New York. I really like the idea of Lonzo Ball because he could fill that need of a PG with Derek Rose aging. And obviously his shooting has improved a lot. So you need to add more shooting to the Knicks roster. Do you like the idea of that? Or are there any other roster moves that you'd like to see the Knicks uh, come up with? I think they need another creator playmaker. Um, hmm. They need someone who can get into the paint. They need someone who can break defenses down. I think that's what they were clearly missing uh, last year in the regular season, and especially in the playoffs. Like um, Derek Rose is going to be, I think, 33 next year. He's kind of shown he can't handle like a huge workload. Um, you know, he can't play 30 minutes a night. That's where they can't bring him off the bench, I think. And he averaged somewhere around like 25, 26, 27. And when he had to play that many in the playoffs, like game in the fifth game, he, he finally just broke down. And he had a knee injury. Um, and they need more offense. Like it's clear they, I, I think some of the shooting will prove to be anomalous and who knows that's even if Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock come back, uh, they're both free agents. And, uh, we don't know if RJ Barrett will be able to hit 40% from three again. Um, so I, I think that's their biggest need is they need a playmaking guard. Now, if they want to bring in someone like Lonzo and have him play a little bit off the ball with Barrett and with Randall kind of as their primary playmakers, I could see it. Uh, I just wonder again, when they reach the playoffs, if there'll be limitations to that, I, I think they need a kind of downhill type of point guard to really, uh, spice things up for the offense. The player you're describing is Sharif Cooper. I mean, those are his strengths. He obviously has some weaknesses, but that's kind of the player that I think about when you're talking about what the Knicks need. Yeah. Yeah. For, you know, I haven't done all my draft study yet, but it seems like there's a question with him about his shooting too. Um, and yeah. it seems like he'll be there at 19 and, and 21, I think you never really know. Right. Uh, but it seems like he has the possibility to be there at 19 and 21. But again, I don't know if they want to rely on a rookie point guard next year, if they're planning to be a playoff team or even try to get to the second round. So the Knicks are in winning now mode all the way. There's no more, the word rebuilding is not in their vocabulary. 
No, I don't think they're in win now mode. I think they're, you know, the, the thing about this past season is that they were able to do both, right? They were able to yeah. rebuild and they were able to win. Um, they didn't really, I mean, they didn't use any of their assets. They built slowly. And I think that's why this whole season was such a surprise. Uh, and so I think they could do the same thing next year. They can make some marginal additions there if they want to and take it slower. Um, but, you know, you can still do that and spend smartly in free agency and try to make some smart moves here and there without kind of uh, unloading the whole war chest. And I just think they probably, especially with the Tom Thibodeau coach, I, I doubt they're trying to take steps backward for the sake of the future. Uh, so if they're positioning themselves in another playoff run, um, I don't know if you can really count on a point, a rookie point guard to do that for you. I don't know if you saw this, but I noticed it during the playoffs. Just, you know, basketball simply comes down to putting the ball in the basket, right? But they struggle to generate easy baskets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I said, like, they need a downhill playmaking, break the defense type of point guard. Like, there's no one who create easy baskets for them. Even when Julius Randle uh, was playing really well during the season, he wasn't getting easy baskets for himself right. or for anyone else um well for himself mostly like he'd, he'd kick out to three-point shooters on the perimeter and stuff um for kind of wide open threes but i think those are few and far between and rj barrett the way he plays he doesn't really get easy baskets you know derrick rose does a lot of great finishing um in traffic in the lane but they they need someone to create that for them and so they don't have that and so i don't know where they get that um but, but i think really just kind of uh getting guys who can raise the off the offensive floor of this team is important for them. And, you know, there's a lot of options in free agency, right? They have Goran Dragic. Yeah. If you want to go that way beyond, That's uh, not, yeah. you know, that could make sense. Yeah. One or two year deal on a balloon payment, something like that. I, it's not that they necessarily have to spend, you know, $90 million on Lonzo or Dennis Schroeder or someone like that. You know, RJ's teammate at Duke, same draft class, Cam Reddish. What did you make of his play? <laughs> I mean, man, he just, on defense, he makes defense look so effortless because of his athletic profile. I mean, RJ has obviously had the better career so far, but going forward, I might take Cam over RJ. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see it a little more. I think he played nice in the playoffs, but I think his first two years in Atlanta have been pretty, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say like unproductive. I don't know. They they haven't really like wowed me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think RJ took a big step forward his sophomore year, like his second season yeah. in New York, especially with the shooting, that had always been the question for me uh, was whether his shooting can get there. So if he can maintain this, I, I think that's huge for him. Uh, I think I'd still take RJ going uh, going forward over Cam Reddish. So what's your best case scenario for RJ? Like, I don't know if you want to go with an NBA comp, but what do you think RJ could be if he reaches his max potential? Uh, man, that's a good question. Um I could see him being kind of like the secondary initiator on a, on a good team, a good playoff team. Um, I think he'll struggle. Well, he, to he was, he was that right. Well, uh, I wouldn't know if they're a good I, playoff I mean, kind of, I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> go, I wouldn't go there. Um, you know, like on a team that can be a good, you know, a good, good playoff team, like make deep runs into the playoffs. Um, you know, I think if the shooting is for real, I think the playmaking got better this year. And, uh, you know, I still have questions kind of just about the functional athleticism to be able to get by guys, break down defenses, like create easy shots for himself and for others. Uh, But I think this year he showed better touch, like he showed better vision. And I think he's taking steps. And again, like if the shooting is for real, I think that's what maintains it all. If it's not, and it's kind of a blip, uh, like a 55 game blip or whatever it is, um, then you have more questions again. Yeah, RJ is a tough player. It always seems more like it's will than skill with him, right? Like he wills his way to buckets. 
Yeah, and that's why the shooting was such a big thing. It was like that gave him another, you know, a lot of it this year was that he didn't do pull-up, uh, as many pull-up jumpers. He didn't take um, as much off Mid- the Mid-range or mid-range, right? He did more mid-range stuff off the dribble, but I mean, from three, he didn't take as many right. off the dribble shots and it was a lot more catch and shoot. Uh, so that's the thing he's going to have to add to it. If, you know, the catch and shoot stuff is for really the next step is obviously creating off the dribble threes for himself and that could open up more for him. Uh, but so that's, you know, he's just got to build out offensively. Yeah, so I heard something. Uh, Drew Hanlon was working with RJ, and I think their progression from their plan wants to be let's get him really good catch and shoot from three, then let's add in another summer. Low. I don't know how much time he's going to have since he's oh Canada lost, so he'll have plenty of time, right? They're not yeah. even going to uh, yeah. So I think then they want to work on one dribble pull ups, and then after that you start adding you know the side step, the step back. So hopefully he gets to that progression because it did really look good with the catch and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense that they would go that way. Right. You want to build a base. And I think, you know, I like yeah. they overshot their expectation. I think Drew Hanlon, when I talked to him, said he wanted to get like 35% from three, it would be like a miracle and not a miracle, but you know, it'd be really good. Uh, and they hit 40. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe RJ is just one of those guys who picks things up much quicker and is able to uh, be ahead of expectations. So, you know, that makes sense what you said that that would be kind of the way they go forward. Most definitely. I mean, it's worked with Bradley Bill. It's worked, worked with Chase and Tatum. So, I'm sure Knicks fans are hoping that RJ could have that kind of progression, right? <laughs> right, right. Build on those guys on their shoulders, yeah. Yeah, last thing before we get out of here, I'll take it back to the Knicks. I mentioned it a little bit, but I think Knicks fans want to hear this. Is there a realistic scenario where Dane Lillard ends up on the Knicks? Sure. I mean, if he really wants to go to New York, right? If, uh, if it becomes one of those situations where he want, where like the Blazers want to help him fulfill his destiny and whatever it is he wants to do and give us right. priority. If it's like one of those situations where, you know, uh we've seen teams do this where they are willing to play to the preference of the star that they're trading out to maintain a good relationship for all the like different reasons and he really wants to go to new york for some reason yeah i could see it like the knicks can throw a boatload of picks rj barrett like young players and and portland can get a nice offer back it wouldn't be the best offer they can get uh but it would be something pretty decent yeah mike great stuff you're always welcome back on the show where can we find you on social media and everywhere else uh thanks man i appreciate it no i i can't ever uh recommend telling people to go on twitter but if you do uh, i'm there on at mike working off but i totally understand if you ignore it and do something better with your life <laughs> mike great stuff uh as i said you're always welcome back on the show and talk soon thanks man thanks for having Anytime. me there it is combo nation one episode at a time we're here thanks so much to mike for joining in we appreciate you thank you for taking the time Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. It would mean the world to me if you share this episode, share it with a friend. Share it on social media, man. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Great way to support this podcast is to join in as a Combo's Court Patreon member. I'll leave a link in the description for that. And of course, man, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Be on the lookout for episode 275 Combo out.